Chunqing, the Laoban tried to attract my attention, calling me from my crib and pointing with his chin up the river repeating Haikuan Wan Pai Si, which I interpreted to mean that there was an outpost of the customs here in charge of one white man, and this proved to be the case. The customs quatsa, or houseboat, was moored to the left bank, the imperial customs flag floated gaily over an animated collection of native craft. We drew alongside the junk, and an Englishman appeared at the window. Where from, he asked, laconically. Australia. The devil, so am I. What part? Victoria. So am I, town? Last from Ballarat. My native town, by Jove. Jump up. I gave him my card. He looked at it and said, when I was last in Victoria, I used to follow with much interest a curious walk across Australia, from the Gulf of Carpentaria to Melbourne done by a namesake. Any relation? The same man. I'm delighted to see you. Here then at the most inland of the customs stations in China, 1,500 miles from the sea, I met my fellow countryman, who was born near my home and whose father was a well-known mayor of Ballarat City. Like myself he had formerly been a student of Melbourne University, but I was many years his senior. What was his experience of the university I forgot to inquire, but mine I remember vividly enough, for it was not happy. In the examination for the second-year medicine, hoping the more to impress the professors, I entered my name for honors, and they rejected me in the preliminary pass. It seems that in the examination in Materia Medica, I had among other trifling lapses prescribed a dose of oleum crotonis of one-half to two drams, carefully increased. I confess that I had never heard of the wretched stuff, the question was taken from far on in the textbook and, unfortunately, my reading had not extended quite so far. When a deputation from my family waited upon the examiner to ascertain the cause of my misadventure, the only satisfaction we got was the obliging assurance that you might as well let a mad dog loose in Collins Street as allow me to become a doctor. And then the examiner produced my prescription. But I thought I saw a faint chance of escape. I pointed a nervous finger to the two words carefully increased and pleaded that that indication of caution ought to save me. Save, you, it might, he shouted with unnecessary vehemence, but, God bless my soul, man, it would not save your patient. The examiner was a man intemperate of speech, so I left the university. It was a severe blow to the university, but the university survived it. My countryman had been five years in China in the customs service, that marvelous organization, which is more impartially open to all the world than any other service in the world. As an example, I note that among the commissioners of customs at the ports of the river Yangtze alone, at the time of my voyage the commissioner at Shanghai was an Austrian, at Kukiang a Frenchman, at Hankow an Englishman, at Icheng a Scandinavian, and at Chungking a German. The Australian had been ten months at Chungking. His upriver journey occupied thirty-eight days, and was attended with one moving incident. In the Sintan Rapid the tow-line parted and his junk was smashed to pieces by the rocks, and all that he possessed destroyed. It was in this rapid that my boat narrowly escaped disaster, 
but there was this difference in our experiences, that at the time of his accident the river was sixty feet higher than on the occasion of mine. Tang Chietu, the customs outstation, is ten miles by river from Chungking, but not more than four miles by land. So I sent the boat on, and in the afternoon walked over to the city. A customs coolie came with me to show me the way. My friend accompanied me to the river crossing, walking with me through fields of poppy and sugarcane and open beds of tobacco. At the riverside, he left me to return to his solitary home, while I crossed the river in a sampan, and then set out over the hills to Chungking. It was more than ever noticeable, the poor hungry wretchedness of the river coolies. For three days past all the trackers I had seen were the most wretched in physique of any I had met in China. Physis and malaria prevail among them, their work is terribly arduous, they suffer greatly from exposure, they appear to be starving in the midst of abundance. My coolie showed well by contrast with the trackers, he was sleek and well-fed. A chop dollar, as he would be termed down south, for his face was punched or chopped with the smallpox, he swung along the paved pathway and up and down the endless stone steps in a way that made me breathless to follow. We passed a few straggling houses and wayside shrines and tombstones. All the dogs in the district recognized that I was a stranger and yelped consumedly, like the wolfish mongrels that they are. From a hill we obtained a misty view of the city of Chungking, surrounded on two sides by river and covering a broad expanse of hill and highland. I was taken to the customs pontoon on the south bank of the river, and then up the steep bank by many steps to the basement of an old temple where the two customs officers have their pleasant dwelling. I was kindly received and stayed the night. We were an immense height above the water, the great city was across the broad expanse of river, here more than seven hundred yards in width. Away down below us, moored close to the bank and guarded by three Chinese armed junks or gunboats, was the customs hulk, where the searching is done, and where the three officers of the outdoor staff have their offices. There is at present but little smuggling, because there are no Chinese officials. Smuggling may be expected to begin in earnest as soon as Chinese officials are introduced to prevent it. Chinese searchers do best who use their eyes not to see best for themselves, that is. The gunboats guarding this Haikwan station have a nominal complement of 80 men, and an actual complement of 24, to avoid, however, unnecessary explanation, pay is drawn by the commanding officer, not for the actual 24, but for the nominal 80. My two companions in the temple were tide waiters in the customs. There are many storied lives locked away among the tide waiters in China. Down the river there is a tide waiter, who was formerly professor of French in the Imperial University of St. Petersburg, and here in Chungking, filling the same humble post, is the godson of a marquis and the nephew of an earl, a brave soldier whose father is a major general and his mother an earl's daughter, and who is first cousin to that enlightened nobleman and legislator the Earl of C. Few men so young have had so many and varied experiences as this sturdy Briton. He has humped his swag in Australia, has earned fifteen shillings a day there as a blackleg protected by police piquets on a New South Wales coal mine. He was at Harrow under Dr. Butler, 
and at Corpus Christi, Cambridge. He has been in the Dublin Fusiliers, and a lieutenant in Weatherby's Horse, enlisted in the 5th Lancers, and rose from private to staff sergeant, and ten months later would have had his commission. He served with distinction in the Sudan and Zululand, and has three medals with four clasps. He was present at El Teb and at the disaster at Tamai, when McNeil's Zariba was broken. He was at Tel El Kabir, saw Burnaby go forth to meet a coveted death at Abu Klea, and was present at Abu Kru when Sir Herbert Stewart received his death wound. He was at Rourke's Drift and appears with that heroic band in Miss Elizabeth Thompson's painting. Leaving the army, C. held for a time a commission in the Mounted Constabulary of Madras, and now he is a third-class assistant tidewaiter in the Imperial Maritime Customs of China, with a salary as low as his spirits are high. Chungking is an open port, which is not an open port. By the Treaty of Tientsin it is included in the clause which states that any foreign steamer going to it, a closed port, shall be confiscated. Yet by the Chaifu Convention, Chunking is to become an open port as soon as the first foreign steamer shall reach there. In Chunking, the Commissioner of Customs is Dr. F. Hearth, whose Chinese house is on the highest part of Chunking in front of a temple, which, dimly seen through the mist, is the crowning feature of the city. A distinguished sinologue is the doctor, one of the finest Chinese scholars in the empire, author of China, and the Roman Orient, ancient porcelain, and an elaborate textbook of documentary Chinese, which is in the hands of most of the customs staff in China, for whose assistance it was specially written. Dr. Hirth is a German who has been many years in China. He holds the third button, the transparent blue button, the third rank in the nine degrees by which Chinese mandarins are distinguished.